This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hi, friends. Welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler, and I am your host for today. You might be wondering, though, what about Robert? Where is he? Well, I have the true and sincere honor to get to do a special episode today on the history of CXMH and to learn a little bit more about the host who started this podcast back in January of 2017. And we've learned so much by uh, listening to these episodes about the intersection of faith and mental health since Robert originally started uh, CXMH. But I thought that since I'm stepping in to join Robert as his new co-host, that this might be a great opportunity for us all to learn a little bit more about the history of the podcast, about Robert, and just in general about the great work that he does. So I'll tell you a little bit about Robert first and then introduce him. So Robert has worked for various ministries and nonprofits in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and England. His writing has been featured on Relevant, The Mighty, Thought Catalog, and more, and he semi-regularly speaks at youth groups, schools, and many other places, although he would certainly love to do more of that as well. (laughs) (laughs) He also hosts a podcast, or he hosts this podcast on Christian Mental Health, and he's been certified as a QPR suicide prevention instructor for groups of any size. He holds a master's in clinical mental health counseling from Mercer University in Atlanta, and he lives in Atlanta um, with his wife, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Um, And (laughs) their sweet, squishy little son, Gray, um, who is adorable, as well as their dog, Knox. So... Without further ado, how are you doing today, Robert? I am. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, it's a little weird to be on the other side, at least on this show. But I'm. I'm good. I trust you to do it well. This is your brainchild. When you first brought it up, I thought, why would you possibly want to talk about me? But it's all right. I trust you. And I do have to say, what's what's funny? You said hey to my wife right there, and mm-hmm. I will admit here, which is fine because she won't hear it, that she has never listened to a single episode of this show. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh uh, no! Well, but that's not entirely. Change that. Yeah, we'll it's not entirely that. her fault. Her the radio in her car doesn't. She can't. There's no like aux cord and stuff. So, but she gets to hear about a lot of them. So. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that I missed in your bio that you want to share? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, that I guess I wrote that bio, so it should be good <laughs> enough. Um, it is fun to hear, you know, he has a master's in clinical mental health counseling because yes. for uh-huh. a long time that bio said he's pursuing. Um, so that's that's always fun to hear. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm glad to be here on this show that I am <laughs> always on. No, that's so awesome. Well, I'm really thankful for your willingness to be interviewed, and I'm grateful for your willingness to trust me. Um, I know that, you know, you just never know how some of those interviews will go, and maybe we can just consider this as my 
I don't know, part of my interview process for being a co-host <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. So first off, I wanted to, I mean, I, I read this little bio, but I first want to start this episode talking a little bit more about you and just giving the audience an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. So would you mind telling us a little bit about you, about your journey? Again, of course, whatever you're willing to share and feel comfortable sharing, um, particularly though regarding what has helped or led you to be so passionate about faith and mental health. And then if you want to add too about this piece with suicide prevention that you've done so much great work in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I can kind of do like a, a brief life story, kind of hit the highlights there because it all kind of factors in and plays into kind of where I am now. Uh, growing up, I grew up going to church with my family and it was, you know, a thing that we went to and, and did, but uh, I would say at least for me, it didn't, it wasn't like a day-to-day -day impactful thing. Um, so, you know, it was kind of just a, a Sunday thing and then go to Sunday school and all that type of thing. And then in kind of middle and high school, so I guess all growing up had undiagnosed ADHD, which kind of played mm. a huge role in my, um, I'll say, unsuccessfulness at school, um, which, mm. you know, led to some, some self-esteem things of, you know, just, I don't know, failing a bunch of things that I didn't need to. And um, But then in middle and high school, definitely started experiencing uh, some pretty um, intense depressive symptoms, uh, suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts, things like that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of extended into, into college, but, you know, was involved in youth group and things like that. But, you mm -hmm. know, it wasn't that anybody said flat out, hey, you can't talk about these things here, which I know, you know, I hear from people that that is the experience of a lot of people. Yeah. But for me, that wasn't necessarily my experience. But they weren't ever, you know, mental health or any of these types of things, you know, emotional things weren't things that were talked about. And mm -hmm. so for me, it, it wasn't that that they weren't allowed to be, but that I, I didn't know that they were allowed to be, you know, mm, um, there yeah. wasn't uh, the space created for those things to be discussed or talked about. And so yeah. for me, it just... Um, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't, you know, which I think is a lot of a lot of people's experience where, you know, yeah. unless you're given permission to talk about some of those things that you you don't. So yeah, that that kind of was what it was. And then went off to college, uh, you know, and was involved in a bunch of different things there. Some of them more stereotypically college than others, uh, but went to counseling for the first time in college. Uh, oh, which that's awesome. Largely had to do with someone not making me go, but making the appointment for me and driving mm. with me and sitting in the the waiting room while I did the whole thing, which I don't think I would have ever gone without that. So yeah. I talk a lot about, you know, how can we remove barriers for people? And this person yeah. did that for me because they were worried about me. And so, you know, went mm. to counseling, started just kind of being more uh, vocal about mental health things. And then faith things kind of became a little bit more real for me. There was kind of one summer where it kind of, there was this big collision of faith things that all of a sudden seemed like they mattered day to day and what I was learning about with mental health and things like that. And then ended up still serving in, in churches and stuff and then working at a, a college ministry once I graduated mm. that, you know, my experience in, in, all of that was that that students would come, especially college students, or I saw it in the churches and things like that that I was attending or serving in. But that people would come and say, "Hey, I'm really, I'm really struggling with 
this thing, depression, anxiety, or suicidal thoughts, or whatever it was, and it seemed to largely be the response of the church or the ministry of, well, what do we do now? You know, it wasn't that they, at least in the spaces I was, it wasn't like, hey, those things don't exist. You're not allowed to have those. It was just, man, uh-huh. we have no idea what to do. Um, yeah. And I know that, that people have a variety of experiences. But so for me, it kind of became this thing of, you know, and, and you can kind of fast forward through the rest of it. But we know that people turn to faith leaders in times of crises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, see some stats on that. Even if you're not like a every week church person, you go a lot, by and large, people turn to faith leaders for mm-hmm. crises of, of all different kinds. And faith leaders, by and large, the majority say that they don't feel equipped to respond yeah. to mental health problems, you know? And so if that's where people are going, Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic for us to say, hey, we're going to get everybody into counseling. I wish that, that was a realistic yeah, thing, but uh, just the I state know. of things, it's not. So how can we equip the people who are on the front lines that people are going to? How can we equip them to be better at those conversations and instill in them some trust to then refer if that's what's needed, you know, to tr- kind of trust the mental health process a little bit better? Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the background of all of this is especially this show is, you know, how do we give people tools and resources, whether it's just a person who knows other people who are hurting, whether it's an individual who's hurting, whether it's a youth pastor or a minister or someone who people come to them and say, hey, I'm really hurting in this way. How can we give them tools and give them a little bit more knowledge to navigate that Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a beneficial way? And then maybe to be the bridge to, to resources that, that that person might need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, first off, you're, you're already jumping ahead. Some of the questions that I had. No, it's okay. I love how you've just embodied and you've just put together this beautiful narrative that, you know, there's, I mean, just throughout, but just how it's threaded through your whole story. But, um, you know, starting with the amount of, um, just pain that it, it sounds like you had struggled with so much when you were younger. And then, through high school and moving into college and having that friend to, you know, to be by yourself, to be by your side and, and help break down some of those potential barriers by making the appointment for you. And I mean, I know I've heard you talk about that before is just such an important thing that any of us can do um, just to walk alongside those who are struggling with mental um, illness in any way, shape or form. But just seeing how you've then threaded that in into the work that you're doing with CXMH is just amazing. I'm, you know, on the one hand, I'm I'm glad to hear that you never were told directly by the church, you know, like we we don't do that here. But but the fact that you are mindful and aware that that's this isn't necessarily a place where we open that conversation up very often, unfortunately, is an area in which we can grow. Yeah, yeah. and how the church, you know, is just responding with we have no idea what to do. I also loved you, just you mentioning that, you know, I really, I'm with you on the, I wish that, you know, everybody was going to counseling. Um, and, you know, my husband and I have talked about that, like how in what ways can our, you know, our kids in the same way that they go to the dentist twice a year and they go and get an annual physical once a year, like why not have them go and talk to a therapist? You know, what's awesome about that is back uh, when Brooke and I very first got married. I remember uh-huh. like multiple times since we've been married, I've said, Hey, just, just a heads up. Like when we have kids, I, I really think that 
realistically, I want them to go to counseling, you know, at least yeah. once a year for a checkup, you know, just the way yep. that you do with other things, just yep. to see how are they doing, what things are they coping with well, what things are they not. And so I'm completely on board with you on that. That's been a thing that I think Brooke and I have talked about for, for years. That's so awesome. I love that. I'm glad that y'all are thinking that way too. I mean, Corey, yeah, Corey and I both have agreed on that. And, you know, we talk with Callie and Oliver about emotions often. And it's funny, Callie, like, you know, those, those boards that a lot of people do when kids start the first day of school with, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up and who's Mm -hmm. my teacher and all that. So Callie wrote for hers yesterday. And for those listening, my daughter is just turned six. Hers said that she wants to be a mommy. Uh, what was it? It was a mommy, a teacher, and a feelings doctor. Because we, because <laughs> we talk with her. I mean, yeah. So, anyways, all that just That's to awesome. say, like, yes, like, be talking with your kids about it and checkups and make normalize it early so that it's not the the weird thing you have to do later. You know, if you right. if you can. So, right. Um, Which I mean, and yeah. and you know this as well as and people listening probably know this, but the realisticness of that has a lot to do with systemic things in our healthcare system and political things and all that. So I think when I think about that, sometimes that gets really overwhelming. How can we work to revamp our entire healthcare system? That is one thing. So for me, at least in the meantime, where are people going already? And then how can we get them to help be a part of that normalization process, right? How can we, if if in our churches and and youth groups and uh, faith communities in general, if we can get them to say, hey, you know, emotions are things we talk about, uh, mental health are things we talk about, then that goes a long way, even if yeah. we can't get every person in, because we know that, you know, counseling services or mental health treatment is unaffordable for a lot of people. There's right. huge, you know, there's huge chunks of the country where there's just not enough mental health professional, you know. So yes. I think while yep. we're fixing big systemic things, the, yep. the short term, and it's not even that short term, but the goal has to be how do we change the spaces where people already are and have access to. Yep. That's absolutely right. Love it. So good. Um, Well, one thing that I I really loved as I, you know, uh, have gotten to know you and then looking at your site, there's something that you have on your site that is, that I thought was really interesting that, um, that through, you know, your journey, you've landed on this two part mission. Are you okay if I share this with your, with our listeners? Okay. So Robert has this two-part mission on his site that says, one, to help people struggling with mental illnesses realize that our battles are a place to encounter God, not a barrier from him, that God wants to use the people around us to love us, and that it's okay to ask for help, that God wants us to be whole and healthy. And the second one says to help church and ministry leaders become more Christ-like by helping them know how to engage with those around them who are hurting, specifically those struggling with mental health. And those both, they, they just feed in so well with what you were just talking about before, particularly around working with churches and helping churches and equipping them with the knowledge and the tools and the resources to be ready, knowing that they are the ones on the front line, basically, mm-hmm. um, for some of these, these uh, you know, these struggles that individuals have. But I was wondering a little bit, like, you, you talked a little bit about how this passion has emerged for, for you and how you've seen these two areas start to come together. But like how, what, what is it that really like lit you on fire to be thinking about 
these religious leaders and these ministry leaders specifically? I mean, you talked a little bit about it in college, but can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, I think, you know, the the two-part thing there, which I haven't, I actually haven't read that in a long time. I wrote that a couple <laughs> of years back. No, no, I still, I stand by it. I hope that's good. Yeah. No, because good. the kind of the first chunk there, I guess, plays into my own counseling career and helping individuals. But I think sometimes I think about, you know, I can sit face to face and whether it's in a counseling setting or in, you know, I did college ministry for a number of years. I taught at a, a private middle and high school for a couple of years where I had like a relational role as well. So I can sit face to face with people and help them navigate through things and normalize things and, and all that, mm-hmm. which I, I'm fully intent on doing. Obviously, I just finished my counseling degree. So yeah. that is like a fantastic thing. And I fully believe in that. But kind of again, in the in the meantime, if I can also be helping equip people who, you know, if I if I say, hey, there's a youth pastor in my town and he he gets the chance to touch the lives of 50 kids a week. Yeah. I can't talk to his 50 kids a week. Right. And I wouldn't want to because I don't have relationships with all them. So if I can talk to him and say, hey, here's some information about mental health, even if it's just baseline, here are like the very basics, just so that you feel better having those conversations, then Mm -hmm. he gets to go or she gets to go to his youth group and impact 50 people. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's that type of thing where we have these, these communities where we know that people put some trust where people say, Hey, I'm going to come to you with my problems. And if we can impact those people and give, Mm -hmm. give them tools and resources, then it's this like trickle out effect, right? Where if I teach 10 people who then each teach 10 people as opposed, you know, so it's that kind of thing. And I think, knowing how impactful faith leaders were in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know, I, and back when I kind of did the the life story bit, I mentioned that, you know, faith wasn't a day-to-day thing, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the leaders in those spaces weren't wildly important to me, right? When I had yeah. crises, when I, you know, had in high school friends die, or, you know, when I had like these big things, those are the people that I turned to, even mm-hmm. if I wasn't saying, hey, faith is the most important thing day-to-day. And so, if those people we can equip really well, then it that makes sense to me in terms of how can we also impact the most amount of lives? How can we change kind of culturally our view of mental health, of emotions, of suicide, uh, you know, so all these types of things, because those mm-hmm. are the people who are having relationships with tons of people. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That's so good. Well, I mean, so before I shift into talking about CXMH um, and a little bit about the history with with this podcast, I did want to ask you if there's any, and, and maybe it's kind of woven into that last response, but like, do you have one recommendation for church leaders or mental health care providers or clients or loved ones? Maybe you have one that is broad across all of those groups, or if you have any specific recommendations that you really wish, like if you could just say one thing to each of these groups, like what would it be? Um, I would say to to not be nervous to, to have conversations about things that you don't know 100%, right? Because mm, I think sometimes yeah. mental health is this topic where we feel like, hey, I'm not prepared. I don't know everything about this and therefore I'm not going to touch it entirely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which I, I makes sense in terms of, you know, if somebody came to me and said, hey, can you give me some medical advice? I would probably say, no, you should talk to a doctor. But mm-hmm. I think 
you know, learning and, you know, nobody has 20 hours a week to go do all sorts of learning. But I mean, going mm -hmm. to, you know, a mental health first aid training or poking around on, you know, NAMI's website or, you know, any of these types of things where you can just get like a little bit of knowledge. And hopefully that's part of what the show does is give you a little bit of knowledge to where you feel more comfortable having those conversations. Mm -hmm. And then if it gets to a certain point, you can say, hey, I think we're a little beyond what what I can help with. So let me, you know, put you in touch with whoever in the same way that I'm not a medical doctor. But if you came in and you said, hey, I, I, I got a cut on my hand, I would say, okay, I know enough to where we need to clean this out. We need to yeah. you know, put some band-aids on. But if you came in and said, hey, my finger fell off, I would say, well, this is beyond. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. being being okay in in being a little bit uncomfortable with those, right? You don't have to know everything. But then using that as kind of this this catalyst to say, well, I'm going to learn at least a little bit because we know that, you know, one in four, one in five adults in the United States, and I know we have listeners elsewhere, but, you know, yeah. a huge chunk of your faith community, of your classroom, of your friend group. I mean, if you looked out and said one fourth or one fifth, depending on whose numbers you're using, one fourth or one fifth of these people are encountering this thing, mm -hmm. then to say, well, I don't know, we're just not going to talk about that at all because I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it. That's, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm, it's not meant to be harsh, but that's kind of like a, a an abandonment of your duty of saying, Hey, I care for yeah. these people, you know? So just yeah. learning even just the littlest bit to then be a little bit more uncomfortable in those conversations. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. And it's, and you know, and I, this translates for each of those groups that I mentioned. So whether it's the religious leaders who are a little bit uncomfortable about mental health or mental health care providers who are a little bit uncomfortable about faith conversations or clients just trying to navigate, you know, in general or loved ones. Um, and, and the other thing you bringing up the one out of four or one out of five, you know, struggling with mental health issues like that's I mean, so that's the current, right? One out of four, one out of five. But right. that doesn't even include the loved ones who are walking alongside those mm -hmm. struggling with mental health issues yeah. or concerns. And we also have seen data that that tracks individuals over a long period of time. And and depending on the study that you're looking at, it's generally about 80% of the population <laughs> has struggled with a mental health concern at some point in their life. Um, right, right. So, so it is, I, I, it is a, a pretty big topic or issue or something to be considering. And, and I, I love how you also mentioned it's just a way for, for individuals to love those around them well. Yeah. And um, I think, I think you bring up a good point with the loved ones and things like that, yeah. because I guess I would, I, since you said that, I guess it's probably a pretty safe assumption that every person that you encounter has been impacted by mental yes. health in some way. And even, That's you right. know, a lot of times people say, why do you talk about mental health instead of mental illness? You know, there's all these different ways of phrasing it. And right. I, my yeah. typical response to that is, you know, mental illness is maybe something that we say specific people have, but we all have mental health. We could all right. be healthier in the same way that, you know, maybe I don't have an illness, but I do have my physical health and I could definitely be healthier. So, right. you know, talking about how can we all be mentally healthier, you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, well, that person doesn't have anything to do with mental health. Well, they definitely do. You know, yeah. whether they meet some diagnosis or not, we could all be healthier, you know. Right, right. Well, it's a spectrum. That's right. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so 
let's shift and talk a little bit about the podcast, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first episode, and please correct me if I'm wrong on with this, but my understanding is the first episode launched in January of 2017. Is that right? Yes, the the first, I guess we did like a, a little intro uh, before that just to kind of get on iTunes and mess around with all that. But the first uh-huh. like technically full episode, I that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aired in January of 2017. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. I just want to make sure I wasn't reading it wrong or missing something somewhere or, no. you know, maybe you had it under a different name at some point somewhere else or something. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about how this podcast came together in the first place? I can, yeah. Um. So, so <laughs> and I think we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but what's really interesting to me and when you brought this idea up, I've been thinking about it ever since, is that in my head, I've talked about a lot of this before, but uh-huh. that is because that I've been on a number of other shows where these are the types of questions they ask me. Um, right. And so yeah. in my head, I'm like, well, everybody kind of knows all this, but we haven't talked about it on this show. So mm-hmm. if this, you know, this audience probably, unless you've gone and listened to a bunch of other things, which you have no obligation to, <laughs> probably doesn't know a lot of this. So I guess 2016 was the year that I kind of like put a lot of this these like dreams and things into motion, right? So I started, uh, I started grad school the very beginning of that year. So January, 2016, I started my website that year uh, in its current form. There was a, there was one right before that, but, um, and so I started connecting with all these people who had similar things, you know, um, such as Steve Austin, right? We, mm-hmm. I, wrote, Hi, I wrote, I wrote a, <laughs> a blog post and posted it in, some Facebook group for Christian bloggers or something, you know, I don't know. Uh-huh. When, you, when you first start these things, you think, how can I connect with other people? Um, mm-hmm. And he commented on it. And so we started chit-chatting. Um, and so that summer, summer of 2016, we, I contacted a handful of people and we started a, a weekly Twitter chat that was uh, hashtag church MH. Uh-huh. And there was, I think, four or five of us that were kind of behind the scenes on that, that talked each week about what do we what are the topics going to be? What are the questions going to be? Uh, and actually, the very first name that I proposed for that Twitter chat was hashtag CXMH. Oh, that's which, awesome. You know, there was some feedback that that would be harder to track. You know, you wouldn't know what that was without mm-hmm. investigating it. So we ended up landing on Church MH. And so there was this weekly Twitter chat that a handful of us ran each week for that summer uh, where we would pose questions and, you know, a if you've never been a part of a Twitter chat, essentially it's, you know, one account, you know, everybody uses the same hashtag and then one account tweets out questions, you know, every 10 minutes or so and people respond and interact. Mm-hmm. And so we did that for that summer. And towards the end of the summer, uh, we all kind of agreed, hey, we're not, um, we feel like we're having some of the same conversations kind of over and over again mm. uh, because it was always the same group of people trying to come up with new topics. So there wasn't, you know, people that knew a lot about this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we felt like we weren't putting in the effort that we wanted to, to make it really good. You know, it kind of, it started becoming, you know, we were coming up with the questions closer and closer to when it started and things. And so mm-hmm. we kind of decided, Hey, maybe this has kind of run its course for right now. Um, and so we, we stopped that towards the end of that summer. And I remember thinking about it for a while because I loved those conversations of connecting with other people on Twitter and just hearing from different people's stories and things like that. Um, and mm-hmm. if you're listening to this show and you participated in those back in the day, you get a special shout out from me. <laughs> um, 
but so the the months that followed that, I remember thinking, where can we continue having these conversations, and how can we invite other people in that know more about specific topics? How can we reach a, a mm. wider audience? How can we keep these things going, but in a way that I don't know, in a in a different format, in a in a way that's still engaging, but maybe mm-hmm. differently. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And that year, I was actually driving a whole bunch. Uh, I worked pretty far from where we lived, and so mm-hmm. um, I started listening to podcasts. Um. And so I thought, man, I bet we could turn this thing into a podcast. Um. And I mm. talked to a couple people about being co-hosts because it's all everything's more fun when you have a partner doing things, and uh, <laughs> nobody nobody was really <laughs> willing to commit to the time and energy for that, which is fine. Oh and man. So, I think it was in November. I was actually chaperoning a high school trip and I would just got super excited about the idea. And this is, you know, something that anyone who's listening, who knows me personally knows. I, when I come up with an idea and I get really excited, I kind of just go for it. And then I uh-huh. kind of figure it out as I go. So I bought uh-huh. the domain name, uh, for a CXMH and I like created <laughs> the email account and all the social media accounts, you know, um, and I like designed a logo and stuff. And then I thought, well, now what do I do? <laughs> so, uh, I booked the first episode, which was Scott McConnell to look mm-hmm. at some of, uh, Lifeway research. And then I invited our dear friend, Steve Austin to come on as a guest on that episode, just to talk with us, to be another guest. So I had two guests on that first episode. Uh huh. And if you go back and listen to it, Steve is introduced as a guest. Okay. And so I remember I was sitting on the floor in this one bedroom apartment that Brooke and I had at the time. Uh, using a, um, this old microphone that I had bought years and years ago back when I thought I was going to be a, a folk singer. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's awesome. Let me do an episode just on that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my undergrad is in music, in case anybody's curious. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. And that episode finished, and or we did the interview portion of that finished, and you know, maybe an hour or two later, I got a text from Steve that said, hey, man, I think this thing's going to be really special. I'm in. And yeah. I thought, thank goodness, because it's so much more fun when there's somebody else involved. So Aww. we kind of just rolled from there, reaching out to a bunch of people. We have, I mean, some pretty big, you know, within the Christian community, bigger names within the yeah. first year or so. And what's funny is I've gone on a couple other podcasts, you know, to be interviewed in the past, you know, six months or so. And every time the people hosting that show, whichever one it is, say, hey, how do you get some of these some of these names to come on your show. Oh, that's awesome. And I always say, I don't, I don't, we just asked. You yeah. Know? You just, yeah. I don't know. We just went for it, um, which, and you and I have talked about this behind the yes. scenes, but that's still very much kind of the attitude is, you know, the worst that can happen is people say no, which plenty that's of people right. do. And then we're yeah. nowhere worse than we were. Right. And so it just went from there. And Steve, you know, was a co-host for the first season and then the first half of the second season and then, you know, stepped back to focus on some other things, which is awesome. You know, I'm yeah. super happy for him. We're still good friends. We talk all the time, you know, in case anybody thinks there is something weird there. There's not. <laughs> uh, we're still very good friends. And then, you know, you're here for season three. So, yay! yeah, I don't. it's been really fun. I, I love the conversations that I get to have. Um, uh-huh. I've gotten to talk to people who are, you know, people that I look up to in the Christian world or in the mental health world, I've learned a ton that impacts, I would say, everything else. I, you know, my counseling or my ministry or the trainings that I do. And, you know, just hearing from folks who say, hey, 
I've been listening to the show, people that I would never expect, hey, I've listened to the show, it's really helped me in my campus ministry that I'm doing, or it's really helped me with my brother, or, you know, things like that is so, so special to me, because that's, that's the goal, right? I mean, we can sit here and talk all day long, but that's, that's the goal. Yeah, well, I was going to say, and in classrooms, too, because last, right? Last spring, I had it on my syllabus to have my students listen to a couple of y'all's episodes, actually. So, you know, even in an educational setting, too, to see some of this work get out there, I'm sure has been just so awesome for you to, to get to see. Yeah, it's it's kind of like bonkers to see when things like that happen, because it really is like this this side project, which is very much like a passion project. You know, we don't make any money off of it. In fact... <laughs> We lose, I've spent a lot of money, you know, so uh, that's not a complaint at all. Just, uh, no, yeah, you know, yeah. and so it's kind of this it's like labor investment. of love. Yeah, right. And so when I hear from things like that, it is somewhat surreal. I remember getting your email and, you know, I told Brooke about it <laughs> and I told Steve and I thought this is surreal that somebody who teaches social work at, you know, at a major university mm-hmm. is showing or not showing but giving you know assigning one of our episodes you know like that's that's craziness and so things like that hearing from people like that has been a really unexpected I guess perk or I don't know it's always so interesting to hear how people are listening or using or you know anything like that yeah well it goes right back to what you were talking about before with your passion to give tools and resources and knowledge and equip, you know, all of these different groups to help bring together more awareness, understanding, empathy, you know, um, effort to, to try to help those who are struggling with uh, mental illness or mental health issues or uh, et cetera. But, but I, and I love just hearing your passion about this too. Like that's so fun. And I really, I wish that you could have, or I could have like recorded the conversations um, that we had in the classroom about, you know, that episode. And um, it was, it was, uh, I think it was Dr. Sherry Moloch and Mm -hmm. Dr. Amber Thompson's uh, or Tom Thornton. Oh, Thornton. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, But their episode, it just was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Okay, so I want to hear a couple other questions that I have about the podcast in general. But what what would you say? I mean, I'm I'm picking up that there's a lot of good that has that you have experienced since you know launching this. Um, but what do you think is your absolute favorite thing about leading CXMH? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> so, well, one really practical thing: uh, the job. This is really interesting. I don't know if you know this. The job that I just started a couple weeks ago, uh, my current job, I uh-huh. got entirely yeah. because of the show. Oh, that's awesome. It's wow. somebody uh, who listened to the show and then noticed that we lived in the same area and then, you know, said, hey, we could be friends. Let's hang out for a coffee. And then we did. And then it came up that I was in the process of looking for jobs. And there was, so, so, I, so my cool. current job that I have, I got uh, based on the show existing, which that's is really awesome. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't, I guess my favorite... I would say the people that are using it in ministries and things like that, mm-hmm. um, because the this show centers entirely around the second one of those, you know, that kind of two part mission that you read earlier. Yeah, this show is 
you know, largely the second one of those of how can, and I think there's a little bit of the first two of helping people learn about themselves, but, yes. yeah. um, you know, hearing from people that say, Hey, I, I've been listening to it and it's really helped, you know, me look at things differently regarding my youth group or my campus ministry or our, you know, our care team at church or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think is, I think it holds a special place. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously when people say, Hey, it really helped me personally, that again, that, I mean, that is sacred, but I think it holds yeah. a special place when people say it's helping them help other people better because that was kind of initially the heartbeat of it. And so mm-hmm. I try to make sure in interviews to ask questions that are accessible and that are from the viewpoint of, okay, so if I'm a volunteer at a church or if I'm a youth pastor or a teacher or, you know, what does this mean for me? And so I try really hard to make sure that I ask questions from that viewpoint as well, because that was kind of the heartbeat originally. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So as far as one of the things that that I I think about a lot of times in my teaching role is the the importance of a transformational education that, you know, every time we're learning, we're growing, we're being transformed. And so I can imagine you have learned so much through serving this community by hosting this podcast. And so how or in what way would you say that this podcast has changed you or transformed you? And yeah, and in what ways? Too many to count, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think every every conversation that we have, I come out of it learning something different and looking at something a different way, you know, and that's the yeah. goal of listening to a show like this too is, you know, hearing from different people who are experts in different fields, whether it's very practical mental health things. So I think about our episode that we did on non-suicidal self-injury uh-huh. helped shape the way that I view that as a whole and the way that I approach that in counseling or in ministry or things like that. So very practical mental health knowledge or mm-hmm. things like the episode that you mentioned about race and faith and mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, recently we had uh, Austin Channing Brown where we talked about, you know, again, kind of racial reconciliation and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, Another, that episode was so good too. Yeah. So episodes, yeah. episodes like that, that yeah. maybe aren't as straightforward, like, Hey, here's practical mental health, but helps me to view faith and just the world in different ways, right? The way that I understand other people's experiences navigating through the world yeah. is drastically shaped by that because I, I go through the world one way, you know, the way yeah. that I do because I'm me, I'm a, straight white Christian dude, you know, and so to, to hear from people in various experiences, I think is, gives me a bunch of different viewpoints and understanding Uh of things from a lot of different ways, um, questions, kind of the basics of how I understand things. So the episode that we had with Jamie Wright, you know, Mm -hmm. I I thought a lot about how I view missions after that. So a lot of things like that, where, you know, we try to have people on that, there are either really practical mental health things or that, you know, I think this is a really interesting viewpoint to challenge kind of my assumptions about the way that the world functions, especially yeah. the, the faith world or the mental health world. But I mean, the, the world as a whole. Yeah, well, and going back to what you were talking about with mental health is being this spectrum, right? And that it's it's not just, I mean, it's, all of these little layers, they, in so many different ways, they can impact our mental health just, Mm. um, from a, you know, kind of on the side point, but 
anyways, I just, I, I love, I love that. I love hearing that and hearing about how this podcast has transformed you just as a listener. I mean, I have learned so much. So I certainly can imagine, you know, being a host, the joys of being able to, to grow from that as well. Yeah. And then I think even, and this is, you know, more me than that you could do as a listener probably, but I mean, just the connections, the incredible relationships that I've gotten to build from people that have come on the show, you know, a lot of people come on the show and we talk and then, you know, that's kind of the end of it, which is fine. That's all they've committed to. But there are people who I've built really fantastic relationships with such as yourself, you know, we'd never met until we interviewed you back on episode, I think 31. Uh And then, you know, we kept exchanging and, and then I've met people through you and I've connected you with other people. And so I really love just kind of this connections web where everybody's learning from everybody to the point where you, you drove through Atlanta at one point to visit some family. So we got to (laughs) hang out and meet. We have a really sweet picture of your daughter holding yep. my very fresh son at the time. I know. I know. And I was so nervous that you and Brooke were going to be like, what is this five-year-old doing holding our one-month or two-month-old baby? No, not at um, all. But it was so, no, we loved that. Meanwhile, Oliver was like running out the front door. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, those types of connections, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I've built some really great ones with a lot of people you know, just, just to build those connections and learn, continue to learn beyond just that conversation, but continue to learn and grow by interacting with all these amazing people. I mean, is something that Brooke and I talked about a lot in, I guess, the beginning where I said, listen, I know that I'm putting a lot of like kind of time and money into this thing that doesn't, we're not seeing maybe like immediate rewards per se, like very Mm -hmm. tangible things, but I'm telling you like the relation and she wasn't, I wasn't defending it or anything like that. She's always been incredibly supportive, but wow. the the relationships that I've built and you know, the things that I'm learning and whatnot, like I think those are going to end up and that's never been the goal, but I think those are going to end up paying out some like pretty big dividends on the back end, which I mean, they have yeah. you know, even just in the people in the mental health field that I get to interact with now and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, it's been incredibly special and, and will continue to be. That's so awesome. I love that. Oh, that's so, so good. All right. So I have one last question and I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball ball okay. here. But so sweet, squishy gray is mm-hmm. now four months old. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Oh, he, y'all, he's so cute. This, oh, he is such a perfect balance between you and Brooke. And I see both of you in him and he's just so cute. Um, but what I wanted to know is what has Gray done since he's been born that has made you and Brooke laugh the hardest? Um, I think there was one morning, he was probably th- three months old. So we, our dog Knox, who uh, longtime listeners know a little bit about Knox, but he, he's been mine since I was in college. Um, mm. But he is kind of a maniac. Um, <laughs> he just when we were dating, Brooke hated him because he just like ran everywhere constantly, nonstop, just circles around my apartment in college. Aww. And so he's definitely calmed down now because he's a little older, but he still gets like bursts of energy. Um, and so there was one morning where, you know, Gray woke up early. And so I got up to to play with him and tried to let Brooke sleep because she'd been up with him. Um, and so eventually I have to go in there to, you know, say he he's hungry, you know, and wake her up. And usually Knox comes out with us. And then, you know, when I go in there, he'll run in. So he ran in and jumped up on our bed and just like started rolling around like a weirdo. Cause that's what he does. Oh. And 
Gray to this point, I think, had like laughed maybe like twice, right? Because babies don't really laugh. Um, right. It takes, yeah. And so I was just like holding him, and he was looking at Knox like rolling around and just started giggling like oh, four or five separate oh, times, oh. which was out of nowhere. It wasn't like we were playing with him or anything, and he'd only giggled a couple times, and so it was really unexpected for us. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was so funny that he was like laughing at Knox rolling around. Uh-huh. That we both like lost it and started laughing so hard. It also was really oh. early, so it probably had something to do with our lack of sleep. But no. <laughs> uh, it was so funny that he was just watching Knox. I mean, he's three months old. He doesn't know anything about dogs or anything, but he uh-huh. thought he was so funny for some yeah. reason. And it's never happened again. But Oh, it was I'm, I'm sure it will, though, at so some funny. point. Oh, that's awesome. I know kids, I think, I think it's just so funny when you are in the thick of it with those, those first few months, those, you know, just they, I don't know. I feel like you, I don't know if it's part just delirium and like with with that lack of sleep. (laughs) Um, but they just, I remember both Callie and Oliver used to make us laugh so hard with the most random things that they do, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Hearing, Hearing Sweet Gray giggling that early at Knox rolling around, that would have made me laugh too. That's so awesome. He's so cute. Well, if you'd like to connect with Robert Bohr, you can find him at robert-bohr.com or on social media at Robert Bohr. You can find me at hollyoxhandler.com or on Twitter at hollyoxhandler. Robert, thank you so much for, <laughs> <laughs> for joining me today. I, I mean, I feel like we're, you're stuck with me for a little while, but I really do appreciate you being willing to come on the show as an interviewee and to answer some questions, to trust me um, with asking you some questions. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, it's so funny being on the other side of this. <laughs> you're doing like my standard wrap up thing. Um <laughs> No, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's it just a, an honor to to have you on. And if this is the first time people are listening, you know, kind of chiming in for season three, you know, we're so glad. And honestly, just it's such a privilege to have people that do chime in once a week to listen to what it is that we want to share. You know, that's something that that I know you and I have talked about, but that we yeah. take really seriously um, in terms of making sure that content is good and we're respecting people's time. Yeah. If you're someone who's listened for a lot longer than that, I have no words to express my gratitude for that. You know, you've heard some of it, but just doing the show has been like a this unbelievable thing that I've gotten to do. And that's not possible without obviously people listening. And then eventually, you know, some people help support on Patreon or send in mm-hmm. ideas for guests and things and just all that interaction, sharing with friends and all that. So, um, Man, I'm just so thankful for new listeners and old listeners and new co-hosts and old co-hosts Aww. and, you know, just, um, I don't know, this whole CXMH community thing that we have going on is, um, pretty unbelievable. So, so awesome. So awesome. And I am so grateful for you and all the work that you have been doing with us to make information that is so important and critical to make it more accessible for so many. So thank you for everything that you're doing. All right. Well, I hope you, Brooke and Gray have a great day and thank you again so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com.
A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.